Hey, I'm Zanzi and welcome to Farmer's Inside Track episode 196. I'm your host, Dawn Umdu. Hort Grow director Unati Spears believes we should deal with land as land and stop racializing it. Let's separate it and stop making it a political carrot stick to fight with, she says. Spears is a dynamic and feisty woman in agriculture, and in this edition, she talks about the steps that she would take if she were agricultural minister, more about farm safety, and touching on the living and working conditions of agricultural workers in Mzanzi. Welcome to Farmers Inside Track, Unati. It's so great to have you with me. I'm so excited to be chatting to you today. I usually start with one of those, are you a Feldskuna or high heels farmer, an agriculturalist? We were teasing earlier to say that even when you were doing your practicals, you went onto the farm on your high heels. So you definitely, you know, don't look like a typical agriculturalist farmer in the sector. And you advocate for that almost. Thank you, Don, for inviting me. And I'm happy to see you. Felt schooner when you need to kick something. <laughs> but any other day, I love my high heels. The profile looks better. I walk better. And I also farm better in high heels. Mm, you mm. think? I know so. <laughs> you know so. Know so. Uh, listen, we've spoken quite a bit in terms of your journey within agriculture and what drew you to the sector. But maybe people would maybe just like to know that again. What is it that got you into agriculture? Where did it all start? Being a top student in maths and science brought me to agriculture. I went to varsity to do a Bachelor of Science. And I learned later that you can actually have it in agriculture. But as soon as I entered agriculture, I fell in love with agriculture. I took law part-time, so I could see how the law would impact then the agricultural science part. And the journey was non-stop. The growth for black women, for women, for Africans, for South Africans, the potential is just endless. There seems to be an opportunity to learn new things, like now smart farming is the next stage and precision farming, etc., etc. So farming is attractive to me based on the fact that it seems to come alive on its own. You don't need to pump it up. Like I said, there was a law interest. Whenever I look at law and law books and the Justice Department, agriculture will always be a better career. And for me, I'm at home. And you really have this vision or drive, you know, to advocate and also yourself of lifelong learning, I guess, in that way. Do you think that this was something that you sort of keep top of mind in your journey and how you progress within the sector? Even if I'm speaking this morning or I'm talking at strategic planning tomorrow, I don't sit and wait to be told what to say or what to think or what to know. I go and research. Research and learning is an attitude and it's an enabling and empowering part of life. With modern day age, I can sit, you ask me a question, I can answer you from my research in five minutes. So we found knowledge at our fingertips and just using it now makes things better. The second part of lifelong learning is the fact that we cannot know it all. It's impossible. And there's so many people who've put effort in finding that information and make it available. And the third part is people think learning is about academics. Learning is about just taking the knowledge, finding the knowledge, using the knowledge and relearning and unlearning and then over and over again. So that process cannot come to an end. It's continuous as long as we're alive. You're very different in your approach towards land reform in this country and what you think about it. Some might disagree with your sentiments and what you think. Some might agree, but you specifically believe that we shouldn't be politicizing it. Why is this and what is your take on it and how do you think we could be doing better as a country? People misunderstand farming and agriculture 
And because we've been put in the political landscape as a do-or-die factor, in actual fact, to be more calmer, we're more organized, we're far more interested in the day-to-day plate of people and feeding the nation. That's our agenda. So if your agenda is food and putting food on the table, whilst ensuring that there's still interest in making that food and dealing with diseases, foot and mouth, we have a lot on our plate. So adding political pressure to agriculture or farming, to me, is a takeaway, not a give. Second part is land is culture, land is security, land is people. The land and the people is the same thing. So making it one issue about farms, it's putting it out in a way that doesn't assist or help. Most of the land pockets and land that is available now, as we speak today, is in the municipalities, it's government-owned, and creating that insecurity within the farm context is putting food in a position where it can become extinct or it can become unavailable. So I feel then you have to separate the two. It's not something that we can also change tomorrow. But if we create that insecurity, look at Zimbabwe, what would happen then next? That the economy collapses, there's not enough food and etc. etc. So I don't think the controversy is not addressing it. I'm saying address it, but take it away from agriculture and farming. Deal with land as land. And the second part is don't racialize it or politicize it because those things still need to be addressed. I need to live with a different race comfortably, regardless if there's we're in water anyway. So why then use land as a tool to address racial issues and issues of, there's a word I learned from you today. It's where people live in harmony, like harmonious living cannot always be associated with land. And lastly, most people I know in my world, they would do anything not to be in a farm. People that have farmed know what a farm means. And most people would love fancy houses with swimming pools. And so therefore, why does land not include the urban part of land? And I think also I did mention this um, earlier event. Gender. How many women have issues with land, regardless of race? There's just so much more about land that has got nothing to do with making a political carrot or stick to fight with. It's a disadvantage for the future. It's not an advantage for us. You mentioned so often agriculture is romanticized. And that definitely puts us in a position where people don't really step into it with a clear picture of what they would be getting themselves into. And specifically in light of this new era of farmers that's coming into the sector, wanting to change it, but not really understanding what it takes to succeed. A lot of people, Don, if you ask them, so when you grow old, what are you going to do? I'm going to farm. And I think to myself, I think that's the opposite of what you should be saying. When you're young, you farm. When you're older, you retire. A lot of people underestimate a working farm. Vis-a-vis what we've grown around with five chickens and a cow, a crawl. People in their version of the past think that is what farming is about. But if they go into Woolworths and there were no fresh, or any retailer, by the way, and there was no fresh food or animals or anything that is edible or comes from a farm, people will rethink what farming is. People think farming is you arrive in a shelf and you take. And it also people think that it's the green lonery. Farming is uh, the end of life doing or when you've got nothing else. And people also think farming is gardening or pot plant keeping. Those things are hobbies, nice to have. But farming is a business enterprise that requires a lot of resources, starting with land. It will also require input, irrigation, water, expertise, disease management, biosecurity, biosafety. It requires a lot of unpredictable and unknown things people underestimate. Think local market, export market. Export market has got rules and standards. 
It goes on and on. And you must also remember, food is an ISO. It's an ISO standard. So in other words, you cannot produce something that might infect or kill someone. So that type of enterprise is equivalent to a health system like a hospital. So when I retire, I want to be a doctor. So it's something totally different as people view it. But with that said, it, it's a cultural career or industry. So people feel affiliated to it. I think you mentioned briefly in terms of women accessing land and how that impacts growth within the sector. How do you think we should start more aggressively bridging the gender gaps within the space? And maybe more specifically, what would you do if you were Minister of Agriculture today? If I was a female Minister of Agriculture, I would ask all my meetings to be half female, half male. As a first order of business, I would ensure that the second phase is that when we talk agriculture, we eliminate the issue of thinking a boar or a farmer is a male and come up with programs that enable that. And I think another thing I would do is I would feature women as a a scarce resource and a disadvantaged grouping in agriculture that has been looked upon in a negative way in terms of how they paid and also how the burfrau or the housewife or the farm wife is not an entity, is not a director in the company, is not a feature, is not even in the meetings. Her job is to drop kids at school, the end. When the, the boor or the farmer, the male counterpart is an enterprise developer, is a director and has shares in this enterprise. I think the last thing I'd also recreate the passing of assets into generalized roles. So the male farmer dies, then the farm is inherited by the male child. That is unfair. And I feel that says a lot. And I would work on those things. But the bigger picture is to redignified women in agriculture. We don't need to be in strange shoes and strange hats and khakis. And we need blues and yellows and pinks and fancy nails and lipstick on the farm. And therefore, we need sunscreen. So I would work on those things that make not dramatize it again but sexing it making it more friendly for women to aspire especially young girls to be agriculturalists without having to think i'm on a tractor you can climb on a tractor with a high hill it's not safe (laughs) but nothing happens you will come down again so the issue of um, gender has a long role to play in terms of the farming context the farming insecurity that is created which results in farm matters is the theory of of that the farm is going to be taken or needs to be given. That that tug, it's not true. I think, Unati, one of the biggest aspects that is not so often talked about is around farm safety. When there's a story that comes out of a murder on a farm, stock theft is also one of the biggest challenges, especially for black farmers to commercialize within the sector. What do you think about this? Farm safety is in two parts. It's a social issue. The people that own farms, and farms are isolated pieces of land usually, live together in harmony. And up until an event happens and that occurrence happens, society's role is to protect the farmer. The farmer is the one that enables us to live and feeds us. And the first protection is the attitude we have towards the farming community. So the first thing is not to isolate or racialize farmers and give a message that says, I want to take your land or or this land will be taken. That insecurity creates tension within the farm context and that is unsafe. There is no one who's coming to take no one's land and no one is going to give no one land. And if you grow up in that environment, you start hearing someone is going to come for you or someone, you begin not to trust your neighbor. 
you don't trust the workers within your context. You can't live like that. And you might be overarmed because you think you are not safe. Or people might get ideas of harming farmers because they're getting a message outside that this belongs to me, that entitlement. And I think that is the biggest unsafety concerning farm safety. The rest is elements of criminality, elements of racial tensions that arise, built over time. But most farmers and farm workers, they grow up as brother and sister. They die like that too in the same farm. So how can a family kill itself? It doesn't. It's the element in how society has given a negative message and politicalized farming and agriculture as a, as a method of skewing votes or campaigning. And then that negativity will arrive on the farm and create turmoil that doesn't there. Transformation is still important. When allowed, it also eases the tension. So if the farm worker begins to participate in a scheme of ownership, that environment feels fruitful both for the farmer and the farm worker. And the empowerment in itself and that transformation element allows them to want to live together because they need each other. Let's talk for a moment about the conditions that agricultural workers often have to live under, accessing adequate sanitation and housing. Because, I mean, there are a lot of good work and good farmers out there, but there are also farmers that don't meet the standard requirements for agricultural workers to live a dignified life. What is your takeaway and what, what message do you have for that? That one is an element of humanity. It's a very deep discourse. As a farmer, it's unfair that I'll sleep in a comfy bed whilst my worker is indignified and sleep in confined small spaces without sanitation. Though there's a clear rule and law, but I do believe every farmer has within themselves enough courage, enough aspiration and value for themselves to give their workers a distant place to live. What bothers me, Don, is education, is farm schools, the attitude or the laissez fair towards achieving a degree, finishing school, the urgency to come and work in the farm, the women and the sexual violence and assault. Those things to me worry me more. Why? If I grew up in a farm, I might be stuck there forever. My grandmother was stuck there, my great-grandmother. So when will I ever get the freedom to express myself? to be something beyond this farm. The only ticket that I know is education, is understanding that I need a decent schooling program that will enable me to have a matriculation certificate that is not linked to me being a worker, but being an individual. It should also give me an opportunity to go to university. Most farm workers' children do not have the same opportunity as the farm owner's child, but they all come back to the same farm. So if the farm owner's child would finish metric go to university, go overseas, decide on what they want to do, and then come back and farm. The other child of the farm worker struggles to finish primary school, battles to even make it to middle of high school, ends up working on the farm just to keep things afloat and to pay for things. I feel there's a, a huge gap. And what also worries me in time, that the skill that the farm worker has is not documented and they are not learning more. It's not, it's not enhanced. It's not improved. It's not the, the, the academies and agricultural colleges and universities should be full of farm workers' children. They're not. But the farm owner's child goes and comes back and there is no improvement. So there's no value add. There's no knowledge sharing or preservation of knowledge. And also that human has got the same dignity as any child born in any part of the country. Why must a farm worker's child be disadvantaged because of distance and lack of resources I'm very passionate about it. It's actually one of my things that I do investigate and look into how to improve in my spare time. 
Unachi, I think I could probably chat to you all day and we can cover a wide range of topics. But just maybe looking toward the next five to 10 years, your journey within the agricultural sector, where are you going? What are your plans? And also, what message do you have to other women in the space? Five years is short in agriculture. Five to 10 years. I would like us to debunk the myth of land. (laughs) If I work on that project, I'd feel much better. I'd feel South Africa would be a safe place. The second one in five to 10 years, fight for cheaper food, particularly protein, in particularly poultry. Poultry, you can do it the back of your house. I've got even an idea where you can even shift that to inside your house, create a room and farm. So there is this low entry and successful poultry farming methods that are not available to the public. And I'm pursuing that in the next five years. And also ensuring that food is cheaper is to give it back to people. You must see the spinach grow. You must see your chicken grow and eat it instead of us waiting for retail trips. And I think the last one, now my new passion, petrol for farmers should be treated differently. It's not the same thing. It changes the price of food in a way that impacts the farming entity. People that are using transport for other means are not as impacted. The impact is just not the same. So a petrol price and diesel price increase for the general public or the country as a whole cannot be treated the same as for a farm owner. It's just not the same thing. And that brings us to the end of this edition. Thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track, Hort Crow Director, Unati Spears. From Ido Numdu, our producer Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.